0: Welcome back, I suppose. I am delighted to announce that today's podcast is sponsored by the local town crier service, Town Squarespace. I mean, I say that I'm delighted, but as you can imagine, I'm being less than completely sincere. Town Squarespace provides an all-in-one platform that gives you everything you need to announce your announcements or proclaim your proclamations. Who writes this stuff? Town Square Space's professional town criers are at least 30% louder than any other town criers. Whether you're just getting started or are an established brand, our powerful platform helps your business grow. I remember when it was perfectly acceptable to announce your next genocidal plan by posting it on the local notice board, but apparently no one looks at notice boards anymore, so you have to pay a man to bellow in people's faces. You people sicken me. Back to the podcast. I have let Russ Morrissey and Peter Coffey out of the dungeon for a few hours. You're lucky you can't smell them.
1: Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. My name is Morris, a.k.a. Russ, or Russ, a.k.a. Morris. I have my voice back, sort of, and with me is my ebullient... Yet evocative co host, sometimes known as a one man gang.
2: It's Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Russ, as ever, I am delighted. They exalted to be here. Exalted? Um, I know. Um, Strong words. <laughs> exalted. Strong words, softly spoken. Uh, good enough for Caffrey's, good enough for me. Hmm.
1: Excellent news.
2: Yes. I can almost talk again. I know, I know. Um, it sounds a lot less like your calling up uh to offer phone sex to random women. So that's good stuff. I approve her. I approve. For it. I approve. Uh, the
1: Ebola has broken. <laughs> I got broken. my first full night's sleep last night for nearly a
2: month. I thought you looked pink and healthy. And now we There know we why. go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excellent news about your recovered recovery from your ill health.
1: Hmm. Hopefully this means I can actually make my way all the way through a podcast this
2: time. Well, coughing, spluttering and dying everywhere. That that would be good. That'd be good. It'd be a it'd be it'd be a it'd be a new return to a norm as opposed to the yes, exactly. excursions.
1: Exactly. exactly. So anyway, while yeah. we're on the subject, or yes. not on the subject, as it were. Yes. Why why don't you tell me what's caught your eye in the world of RPGs this week?
2: What's caught my eye in the world of RPGs this week has mm. been a random scenario generator. Ooh. yes i think we'll have to put it in the show notes because i'm not entirely sure how to say it i think it's um ice and growl, but i couldn't tell you 100 percent but essentially it's a web-based thing you click on it you choose some um, from a list of drop down menus mm-hmm. uh, and then it provides you with a uh, set of descriptions and information and the more you click through it, it has like at the end it's got like relevant nouns that it's bought out and you can click on those to get more description about them cool yeah can you give us an example um you, how, yeah how long are they they are relatively short i will yeah. give you it's one just went on. so quick scenario generator your options are do summer autumn winter or spring which would you like ooh okay
1: let's go with winter
2: because it's winter now yep and places forest desert mountain road
1: forest desert mountain road let's go the road
2: so, let's see. It's quite cold. There are a couple of clouds, but it's not quite overcast, and it's a fine day. You walk along the overgrown dirt path, dotted with hoofprints, and spy in the distance, the undead. Ooh. Yeah.
1: Not the undead.
2: I know. Uh, and that's a quick scenario generator. They also have the Hamlet of Badgercroft, which the has what? the Hamlet of Badgercraft, which is... Hamlet
1: of Badgercraft?
2: Yes. It's, um... <laughs> yeah, it's, uh... <laughs> a whole new thing and so you could generate things like a tavern an alchemist general store blacksmith market temple brothel so if we said general store create a new building and that gives me well it did give me something it's got factions and npcs what do you do there little fella i don't know i haven't looked at it but it's that much but it generally seems to be giving you a lot of background information that sort of all hangs together quite nicely yep. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. T- talking of random creators, I've just pulled up my favourite tavern creator.
2: Your favourite tavern creator? Tell me all. Yes. Here we go. I've just whipped whipped one up. You ready
1: for this? Yeah, The yeah. Cuddly Dragon Mead Hall. It's but- an upper-class large building with eight waiting staff. It is owned and managed by Madeleine Carter, sleeping, uh, jewellery covered. A gambling half-elf gambler mm-hmm. is looking suspicious. A staggeringly stupid half-orc forester is crying into a beer. A softly spoken halfling painter is laughing at a stuttering known scholar. A group of six elf bards is exchanging insults with the stuttering half-orc gladiator. The pub is part of a chain based in the town of Rochdon. You'll love our dice. Notable patrons. Catherine Bond. Shipwright very sad. Albert Wilson. Warrior muscular. Borin Slatesmith, Gambler, Gossiping. Arnar Eldali, Trapper, One Armed. Thrallin, Silver Quarry, Armourer, Muscular. And Three Mobsters. Interesting. Rumours. A unicorn has been spotted in the nearby forest. Deng fever has struck the town of Seaworth. Shepbury was raided by the Red Shadow Castle. And then we've got a menu. We've got a drinks menu. Happy Jake Port. Uh, which is ten silver pieces, burgundy opaque, smells like honey. Uh, Jolly Sir wine, one silver piece, turquoise, sticky, smells like pears. Uh, A food menu including grandma's roasted rice served with tree bark, spicy steamed tree bark, a bit of a theme there. And today's special is special potatoes and turkey broth cooked in tricky blade cognac.
2: Interesting. And was all that just generated procedurally just now?
1: Yeah. Oh, nice! Nice. Just one one click.
2: Sweet. Yeah. So yeah, like I say it's like the idea here. I think is much the same. You get the thing, but it's uh, expanded to include like the NPCs and so forth. Yeah. It is. It's, it, I, I saw it, and uh, a lot of people do say to me that like that, and I see a lot online that like improvising all that sort of thing is quite hard. So I don't know. Just. Just go with it. So uh, I can I can see it being very handy if you, especially if you need inspiration as well. If you find yourself being being a bit samey sort of thing. Anyway, cool. So um, another thing that caught my eye, I suppose, was um, there was two a, things. I know two things. Maybe That's I should save one. Ah, yeah. Uh, another thing I saw that what caught my eye was um, some the you know the latest editions of the player's handbook mm-hmm. with their like really nice covers. Mm-hmm. Well, there was an issue that someone had where they'd got it, but it was, like, bound the wrong way up. So mm-hmm. all the text was in down compared, uh, was upside down compared to the covers, yeah? That
1: sounds amazing.
2: I want one. Well, here's the thing. They didn't want one because, I don't know, they, they lack appreciation of um, such quirky found artifacts of beauty. Uh, sent it back to Wizards, who mm-hmm. replied, saying, we're very sorry, please accept our new one, and sent him one which had the exact same problem. <laughs> it's, it's like, don't! Uh, it's like, so
1: it's like there was a batch somewhere with... A-
2: there was a batch, which unfortunately yeah. they didn't check before sending out. So cool. it's like... <laughs> Sounds
1: like an expensive problem.
2: Uh, it does It does sound like an expensive problem. Uh, and it's not like the first time that they're... I mean, can they just not find decent printers, do you think? I mean, what's, what's the deal? Cause, I mean, like, it happens sometimes. It's it does, just,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, problems with publishing happen. No, mm. oh, not really. Anyway, Russ, tell me... Mm. What, what's caught your newly plague-free eye?
1: <laughs>
2: not plague-free.
1: It's like less plaguey, but not plague-free yet.
2: Oh, okay. So, like, when you're skirting blood from your eyes, it only goes, like, four or five mil instead of four five inches. Right, right. Something pretty. like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what
1: caught my eye? Yes. So a uh, renowned artist, uh, Tony uh, Dittolisi, I'm not 100% sure how you pronounce his name, on account of the fact that I'm not 100% sure on how you pronounce anybody's name, but Tony uh, Ditalizi uh, is you know, an iconic planescape artist, mm. and he was talking about uh, 25 years of planescape. It was 25 years ago, that setting came out, wow. and uh, he he shared a whole bunch of his sort of original sketches and concept pieces.
2: Mm nice
1: um he did all this on twitter yeah um and i compiled some of them into a little article with like click so used to see more of them but it's really really brings back proper memories for me all this i haven't looked
2: at planescape in years to be fair yeah it's a bit of a thing actually because someone in my club was proposing to run something along similar lines yeah i thought this was an excellent opportunity to actually play planescape torment because people talked to me about it but i never actually played it I think there's uh, an
1: is there an updated version of that
2: now? Yeah, yeah, this is this is the enhanced edition. Yeah, so cuz the original I think would
1: be unplayable graphically these days.
2: It it did have the option of playing it has the original. It was mostly I can't remember the exact words but it was basically make it uglier, slower and less readable. So I was yeah. like I'll take the I'll take the enhanced edition if that's okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. T- t- time has moved on. Yeah, like I vaguely recall seeing people do things with it, but I never, it, it never appealed. Like uh, I was more of a half-life man. What can I say? Hmm.
1: Have you ever played
2: in the planescape setting? Played D and D in it? Not yet, not yet. That is that is why. You get the
1: opportunity to. I think you should. Uh, well, that's that a great it's a great setting, and you know you got this city where like gods and demons and things are all just like wandering around, and well, all well, this this
2: is my all ruled by the lady of pain. But whose, na- whose name has come up? She sounds a bit Ron Seal to me. She's, like. she, 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 she sounds lovely. Yeah. She's a lady. She'll cause you pain. It's like, try, try, not, to, try not to knock her off. Yeah. Right so. Right so. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's what's caught my eye. A whole bunch of original
1: planescape sketches and concept pieces Ooh, posted yes. by the original author.
2: Yes. Uh, are those on Ian World? Or? They are. And then you can click through to the actual tweets from there. Ah, marvellous, marvellous. I shall uh, probably do that and have a look at them because they do sound exactly my cup of tea. I do enjoy a good bit of RPG art. Hmm. Um, Anyway, so Russ, let's talk Hmm. news. News? What's in the news this week? News? Yeah, news, Russ. News? (laughs) All right, let's do some news. We should do some news, it being a news podcast, I feel.
1: First thing in the news this week. Yes? Mr. Robert Schwab.
2: Oh, veteran um, game designer shadow of the demon lord if i recall or I yeah. yeah
1: yeah nice uh, nice. uh D fifth edition he's uh, worked on warhammer he's worked on, that. Yeah. he's worked on he's worked on he's worked on tons and tons of stuff uh yeah. he contributed to just in the world of 2000 ad uh. which is you know his uh most stellar achievement
2: so oh. far i'm sure <laughs> yeah Leaves the best to last, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> anyway,
1: <laughs> he has released his own
2: version of the Warlord class
1: for DD fifth edition. For DD fifth edition.
2: So yes. Warlord, if I recall, didn't play a lot of it. Didn't find it objectionable, as many people did, but mm. whatever. It was fourth fourth edition.
1: Uh originally, I mean I think it, it's it's got history going back further than that, but I think right. that was the first time it came into fruition as a full fledged class. Uh, uh, uh. Was, was was the Warlord in 4th edition. Uh, yeah, so this is a 5th edition version of that. Yeah, So it's a 10-page yeah. PDF. Uh, yeah. It's a charisma-based class, as you might expect for a Warlord. Yeah. A D10 hit dice. It's uh, got abilities like uh, commanding presence, which yeah. gives nearby allies a damage bonus. Right, uh, right. Battlefield command. It's got a whole bunch of subclasses along with it, like the... Uh, resourceful leader and the horde master
2: right right okay so it's a whole proper new class with subclass yeah yeah, yeah yeah fully done wrong. yeah okay um i will have to have a look at that and oh, that's on drive through rpg is it yes yeah oh, exciting times
0: yeah
2: mm. um and certainly if our listeners have any particular comments to make about that please do feel to join us on the discord and let us know I would be delighted nice to hear from you
1: very delighted
2: super delighted how delighted would you say oh on a scale of one to be on this podcast Mm. I'd have to say at least 0.9 millibuses that's pretty (laughs) 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 fine. yeah we're we're talking like exalted ecstasies panes of joy heavenly heavenly hosts are singing hallelujah that sort of level of excited
1: fair enough (laughs) okay next in the news next in the news moving swiftly on Uh, acquisitions incorporated Penny Arcade's D&D game mm. that has uh, been a podcast. It's been great big live shows which sell out massive theatres. It's, you know, it's a big, 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 big deal. Yeah, yeah,
2: huge. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so uh, it started over a decade ago during the fourth uh, edition era of D&D. as a podcast mm-hmm. featuring uh, Christopher Perkins from Wizards of the Coast. Wow. And various sort of members and friends of Penny Arcade. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, you know, it's it's like Critical Role in a way. Well, very, mm. very much like Critical Role. Uh, also in scale as well. It's massive. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, so Penny Arcade is responsible for those big PAX video game conventions. Yes, yes. And And uh, the more recent PAX Unplugged and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. In fact, PAX South uh,
2: just happened this last weekend, I think. Wow. That's, yeah, major conventions. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: So anyway, that's not news. That's all old news. But this bit yeah. is news.
2: Uh, <laughs> the context rest it's all
0: about context. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so the news is that they have teamed up with Wiz- wizards of the coast
2: uh-huh. to
1: produce uh dnd licensed official acquisitions incorporated dnd source book wow. which they're calling the acquisitions incorporated
2: dungeon manual that's what it says on the tin um, yeah sh- so there's actually very that.
1: little information about what you'll find in it as of yet um, but they did say originally they were going to do this on Kickstarter, uh-huh. and Wizards of the Coast got wind of what they were doing uh-huh. and contacted them and said, "Hey, how about instead of Kickstarter,
2: we just print you it. worked with
1: us on it. <laughs> uh, so, so now instead of being done on Kickstarter, it's, it's it's you know they're working with Wizards of the Coast to bring this out. I right, don't right. I don't know whether that means it's going to be one of Wizards four books next year or whether it's separate to those. don't know how it fits into that release schedule. Uh, mm-hmm. This year, sorry, not next year. It's yeah, now yeah. 2019,
2: isn't it? Yes, welcome to the rest Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> January happened and everything. Yeah. Um, so, 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 yeah, it was actually announced at PAX South. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jerry Hulkins of Penny Arcade, mm-hmm. He's uh, he describes it as a, a cool book in general full of cool art, strange characters Weird goings on that demand to be inserted into home campaigns. It's much more focused on personalities and the mysteries of the organisation. We do feature a number of strange new items that go along with your role in the company. Although I probably shouldn't say much more than that. And true to his word, he hasn't said much more than that. So <laughs> we don't we don't really know exactly what's going to be in this book. But,
2: but yeah, hmm. Okay, so that'll be a very exciting news for the fans uh, who want to find out more. Yeah. Yeah. Should we do some more news? Oh, if we must. I think we should.
1: Mm. What's, your, was, what's your
2: fee- What's your feeling on Borg cubes? I would be startled if one appeared. and mm-hmm. I would want to try and throw some Federation mad science at it ASAP. Hmm. Uh, why'd you ask? Do you have a well, Borg cube?
1: I do not have a Borg cube. I don't think I can afford this Borg cube, but... Modiphius, uh have a new version of their Borg Cube Deluxe Edition of the Star Trek Adventures RPG. Uh-huh. So it's a it's a big old sturdy cardboard cube box okay. containing tons and tons and tons of stuff. Um, the original Borg Cube was priced at five hundred dollars.
2: <laughs> okay, okay, sorry. No, uh, this sorry.
1: one is this one's about half at two hundred fifty seven ninety nine. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't,
2: it doesn't have good... the miniatures that the previous one had. Oh, okay, right. So,
1: wow. So what you get, you get this uh, sturdy cardboard ball cube box. Mm-hmm. And it has a bunch of drawers in it, mm-hmm. uh, which contain a poster map, the yeah. uh, alpha and beta quadrants. Right. Uh, three sets of uh, custom dice, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. a bunch of tokens, right, right. a GM screen. Five different rules reference cards and a copy okay. of the limited edition cover core rulebook.
2: Oh, good, good. So it's got the core rulebook in uh, mm. and everything.
1: That's right. a very, very pretty looking box set. I'd love no. to have it. It's just, yeah, it's too expensive for me. No,
2: no, no miniatures. You said not in this one, no. No, that was in the previous five hundred dollar one. Yes. Right. Wow. That's about wow, two hundred fifty dollars. Hmm. I'm sure it's a very nice box. <laughs> well, yeah. it's
1: uh, it's coming out in March. This one. Oh, fantastic!
2: Just in time for my birthday. I'll have to <laughs> <way>. <laughs> Well,
1: if you are if you are a Star Trek fan, I mean, I don't know, and you've got some money to burn, I think that's a it's a, a good choice.
2: Yeah, if you can afford it. That is an impressive level of fandom. Yeah, yeah,
1: um, a bit too, a bit too rich for my blood. So like, mm-hmm. I love these. I do love these deluxe products like this and Invisible yeah. Sun and that Beadle and Grimm's uh, water deep thing. It it does sound very similar
2: to the yeah. Invisible Sun thing because um I've seen I've, I've actually seen a copy of that and it it does sound like very similar so yeah oh, yeah you sort of have these almost objects that are just kicking around and but I don't know would you would you ever actually get to play with them that's the that's the question
1: well, I would hope so for that money I think I'd insist <laughs> on it
2: <laughs> but Russ we're playing Pathfinder
1: we're playing no. Star Trek now. <laughs> <laughs> We are getting $500 worth of value out of this game. <laughs> oh, dear. Moving on, we're will sticking we'll stick galaxies. This one, far, far away. Yes. A yeah. long, long time ago. Uh, Star Wars. Uh-huh. Uh, Fantasy Flight Games has announced a book called Allies and Adversaries. For Star Wars. For Star Wars. I think you can probably guess exactly what that i is. is.
2: I'm, I'm hoping it's got some sort of... Imperial versus Rebellion, and then General Associated Bounty Hunters, Mercenaries, and um, Rogue Smugglers with access to really far ships.
1: It's uh, It's got over 130 Star Wars NPCs.
2: That's a lot of NPCs.
1: Including Emperor Palpatine, Boba Fett, Jin Erso, Wicket, and so on.
2: Right, so... Covering quite 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 a lot of yeah. uh, various characters, alive and dead. So, yeah. Yeah, it
1: also says it goes beyond stat blocks, and you get full backgrounds, motivations, tips, and all sorts of stuff.
2: They have lots of really nice pictures inside.
1: I would be amazed if it did not.
2: No, I think that could be a very nice coffee table style book, and yeah. also an excellent resource for yeah. running Star Wars games. If you yeah. want to uh, play around in that, uh, yeah, no, excellent stuff. Very exciting. Well,
1: well, that's coming out second quarter of this year, and it's going to be 39 and 95
2: Oh, okay. So, April to June time. Somewhere in that yeah. winter. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Quite, quite, quite a decent price, yeah. What else? What else is happening, Russ? What, you want more news? Um, oh, something I that caught my eye on your website was the yes. Crazed Gamers celebrating 40 years at Gen Con. Oh, yeah, I was just looking at that. Go on. Yeah, yeah, the, the National Association of Crazed Gamers, which, if I may say, is not excellent name hmm. if i if i if I, if someone's calling themselves national association or crazed gamers i'm i'm pretty confident they will be giving me a certain vibe and flavor and uh yeah yeah uh, we,
1: we've talked about them before in the podcast actually
2: yes yes but uh it's different when you have the pictures there but yeah. they they're, they're just out to prove that competitive D is a thing
1: yeah
2: yeah oh. yeah um and it seems yeah they've got a lot of stuff going on like um the awards for role playing and the uh, exhibiting the character and role playing and so forth. It's
1: Yeah, I mean they've been around since the nineteen seventies.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's it, it it is impressive. Um maybe not my particular cup of tea, but they they seem really happy and enthusiastic, so fair play to them, that's what I say.
1: Absolutely.
2: Uh, Absolutely.
1: Uh, right. So Peter. Yes, Russ. How would you like to play our favourite game in all the world? our favourite game in all the world. Oh, um, in which case, I'd like to be the top hat. <laughs> oh, my God. You just actually <laughs> brought up the worst game ever, ever designed by anyone in the
2: history of <laughs> ever. I hate that game so much. <laughs> what, what, you think we're not here to play Monopoly?
1: I'm so confused. <laughs> Instead of Monopoly, how about we play... The game where I tell you the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the name.
2: Oh yes, I suppose we could play that as well. That is also quite fun. Yes. Oh dear. Yes. So, um, are you so, ready? Uh, I, I I may need another couple of minutes for Michael giggling at my own joke. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, it's not really my joke. It's it's more looking your face that got me going. What can I say? What can you say? <laughs> uh, what can i say uh, i can say that if i had opened up the dictionary to an impressed your picture would have spontaneously appeared like mm. <laughs> mm. yeah, yes oh um, yeah. so yes let's play this game woohoo That's all, right, all right then all right then i will give I, you I...
1: the name of a kickstarter you will guess what it is from just that name and then i will give you a highly scientific and accurate score based on your answer
2: have you fixed that world-destroying um, malfunction? Because like the doctor was like super, super cheesed off last time. That is she got, not. A she bug. was not. She was not that, a happy lady. No, it's not a bug. It's a feature. Uh, I mean, there's feature creep and there's feature. I don't know whatever that was that destroys the known universe. Mm-hmm. Could you not? Russ? Could you? Well, not? well, perhaps if you could just try and get these things right, it won't happen. Oh, I see. You're, you're basically saying if I'm better, then the world will be fine. Yeah, so oh, it's right. your fault. No fresh no, no then. No. Yeah, All right, let's do it. Yeah. Alright then. Number one. Oh no. What is?
1: Hmm. I quite like the look of this one. You like atmospheric ones, don't you? I like ones placed in the
2: atmosphere. Ha ha one is Secretum Mundi, the Book of the Secret World. Ah. You read out the stuff after the colon. That's depriving me. Of uh, be able to give my best COD Latin translation. Oh dear. Well, what would you have said? Well, if you just said Secret of Monday, I'd have said it's like the secret of the world. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, so what is uh, it? Kickstarter. <laughs> oh, it be a um, long podcast today. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay. So, um, Secret of Monday, it will be. We've got Latin influence that they're going for. So I'm hoping for an Illuminati film. Mm, it's using Mundi to imply the world. So we're getting for some sort of like global nature of said conspiracy. So a sort of game of conspiracy theory dealing with the world. it is So uh, something, it's not... I can't quite put my finger on the name of the genre because it's not urban fantasy or modern supernatural romance because those refer to very different things. But it's sort of like going to be a modern or perhaps near modern sort of spy thriller and you will get to play as agents dealing with like the various secrets uh, behind how the world is put together. That's what I'd be hoping for if I picked a book with that title. Uh, mm. what, do, what do you actually get? You don't get that. Oh, ah, okay. No.
1: So you get... my, my
2: world is filled with disappointment. Mm. Please delight me with what I get instead. So
1: Secretum Monday, or yes.
2: Monday he, uh,
1: nice. is uh, a system neutral encyclopedia style supplement okay. with entries alphabetically on occult individuals, places, events, and items. Accompanied by plot hooks that can be used to create adventures. Mm-hmm.
2: System neutral, and is it a sort of Monday sort of jazz? or a what? Sorry, is is it is it basically our world? Uh, modern, right. yes,
1: modern occult yeah. role playing games.
2: so
1: seventy pages, six inches by nine. So that's kind of what digest sized,
2: mm. right? Okay, so a a, a smaller book, hmm. and it's about so. You're saying it's about occult secrets and paranormal things. So, like, does it give any examples? Uh,
1: So we've got the Blackened Brotherhood. A soul jar is a magical item, obviously.
2: Uh
1: Alabaster Venus. A statue of Venus carved from Alabaster from the mid-Republican Roman period. The Alabaster Venus is enigmatic and otherworldly. What on the surface appears to be a simple statue of a naked female Uh (laughs) thought to be Venus becomes increasingly complex the more it is studied. The limbs of the woman seem unnaturally long, and some of the contours of the body seem strangely out of place. Bizarrely, rather than resulting in a statue that looks amateur or crude, these strange physical changes give the overall composition a disturbing appearance. This is reinforced by studies by art historians, who comment that the quality of the carving and the naturalness of the composition Make it appear that the statue was carved by a master, and the figure represents the true appearance of the master's muse. Whatever the truth of the matter, the Venus is no longer displayed by the Smithsonian. The composition is unsettling and depressing, and tends to cast a pall over those who view it. The Blackened Brotherhood have stated that the statue is really a depiction of the goddess Cormorgan, the Celtic goddess of love and death.
2: Hmm, interesting. Not ringing really any bells with me in particular, so it it's not like written well, it. it's fictional. They make it they made they made them all up themselves. It's not like stuff taken from So this is okay, so this is coming up with I suppose new and original plot hooks that you can use where players can't metagame by knowing about how it works before. So yeah, okay. A source of inspiration for GMs everywhere. Good stuff.
1: I think you got ooh, three out of ten for that. I think that's fair. a fair score.
2: Okay. The aim is to get as close to zero as possible, right? <laughs> right? have that, we been that, playing this, wrong? That may be your aim. <laughs> okay. Go on. What's the next one, Russ? <laughs> so the
1: next one, I'm not going to do this one. I d- I'm just going to give you the title. Because I You're know gonna... you love titles which explain exactly what they are. This, this is one of those awesome. that there's, <sighs> there's just no point putting it in this game because it's so... Are you ready?
2: I, I was born ready. Come on. Delight 100 me. maps... Of Fantasy Islands. Brilliant. It's like, oh, I really like that. It's like, <laughs> if I want a map of Fantasy Island, I'm like, huh, perfect. There's hundreds of the buggers. I'm sure I can find something here. Yes. Brilliant. Far, brilliant. far, too, far too easy for this game, though. An example of brilliant Kickstarter <laughs> <laughs> naming. Like, okay. I don't know. Well, is it, well, is well, this,
1: well, this is slightly more, more difficult. Where,
2: where, where, where does this Kickstarter end? Because I need to know... I need to know how to get more fantasy maps in my life.
1: Wednesday, uh, January the thirtieth. Fantastic,
2: right? Well, 100 fantasy islands, or mm. well, 100 maps of fantasy islands. Get on that. That's going to be big. That's going to be amazing. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, right. After that storming success, where I've doubtless scored a whole four out of ten. Um, can we move well, on? You, to the next you one? don't
1: get a score for that one because it was it was too obvious.
2: Ah, okay. In order to get a score for that one, you'd have to describe every single map. I understand. Well, potentially, at some point, say, if a podcast should fall on my birthday, uh, we can reverse who's playing our favourite game in all the world, and maybe I can find someone to ask you. How about that? Uh-huh. <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> I don't think so. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> okay, the next one. Yes? Iron
1: Monolith and the Tomb of Sun Agala. Sunagala is spelled S-U-N mm-hmm. new word mm-hmm. A apostrophe
2: mm-hmm. G-A-double-L-A. Sunagala so what's this the island monolith and the tomb of Sunagala
1: iron iron monolith oh iron monolith yes iron
2: ooh iron monolith does sound a lot more interesting like sort of like the um, iron pillar in Delhi and so forth which was uh, quite interesting to read about mm, okay iron monolith and the tomb of Sunagala it sounds to me like it will be a module uh, for some sort of fantasy game. Mm, it's using fantasy trope naming rather than every real world, as far as I can tell. So I'm looking to speculate. So, but I suspect maybe this is for Fifth Ed. Hmm. How am I doing? It is
1: a sci-fi adventure.
2: Fantastic. Uh,
1: you have been employed by Osseous system, renowned pilot, Fink. And his android engineer, Knox to bring in an outlaw taxidermist.
2: An outlaw taxidermist. Yes. Stuffing animals without the license. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, stuffing dead animals without the license.
1: Hmm.
2: Horrifying. Well, it doesn't, right. say, it doesn't say they're dead. Maybe that's why he's outlawed. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, things don't go exactly to plan as you find yourself in the midst of an intergalactic treasure hunt for the three tombs of Sun Agala. You would engage... In Starship Battle, work out puzzles oh. and navigate your way through dangerous terrain and mazes, fighting outlaws, space desert worms, and engaging in
2: diplomatic converse. Interesting. So, um, do you also find where Coven Santiago is as well? Or <laughs> is she still lost in time and space? <laughs> no. Um, to, to, uh, I, I, what, what was this? Okay. Well, it's so not I'm not
1: 100% sure whether this is an adventure, a campaign setting, or a role playing game itself, because it says all three of those here. Um, so it it's, might work. You're through those. But it is compatible with Starfinder, DD, Pathfinder,
2: and any space based RPG. So Which any space based RPG. <laughs> ambitious. And high fantasy. So uh, obviously they'll have nailed Traveller naturally. Um, if I break out Polaris, they'll be all over that. If I want to rock roll, and roll it with, say, oh I don't know, Star Wars, they're completely compatible with the Genesis system. No, I'm, I'm pleased. It's a it's a broad church to cover. Um, yeah, Hawks I of su- Horrors is my yeah. favourite OSR one at the moment, so that will yeah. be. Uh,
1: I, I I suspect you might be disappointed if you go in expecting it to be fully compatible with any space-based no,
2: RPG. No, no, no. If I if I take Aeroballum, which is a game of space fighter pilots, and play this game, I I'm expecting compatibility. And, as you say, I'll be sorely disappointed if it's not. I don't think you should be so negative and doubt them. Take them at their word. Dress any space-based RPG. Oh
1: yeah, it's right in the title there. Look. Mm. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: okay.
2: Well, I, I, it's a, a source book and a setting and a system as well.
1: A role-playing game based yes. on the d twenty dice system, compatible with Starfinder, d anD D, and Pathfinder, or any yeah. space-based RPG. Is
2: is the phrasing they use. Broad claims, broad claims, Um, Ambitious. I believe them. Mm-hmm. Ambitious, yes, but if you don't reach for the sun, then you'll never catch fire and fall into the sea. Wait, no, I'm sure that's not right. I must have got
1: that. <laughs> right. Next one. Oh, uh, for that you get uh, what did you say? You, you said it was a fantasy adventure, and it turns out it's a sci-fi RPG yeah. compatible with any space-based RPG. So and definitely, you special. get zero out of ten for that. That's a strong choice. Yeah. Right then, the next one. Mm-hmm. The next one is called Off the Beaten Path.
2: Mm. That sounds like uh, maybe it's just me hoping for stuff, but a sort of a modern day, almost fairy tale like game of exploration where you're just like wandering along one day and you say, Oh, that looks like a shortcut. And by just merest happenstance, you wander off the beaten path and into like a magical world full of bizarre happenings, which uh, you then attempt to navigate uh, as best you may. Hmm.
1: Um, This one's slightly trickier because it does have a slight bit more to the title, which does give it away completely. But without that bit of information, you are, I think, probably lacking some fundamental information about it. So (laughs) it's it's mildly unfair,
2: this one. Uh,
1: So I'll tell you what the full title is. No, surely not. But but once I do, I think you'll know what it is. So Off the Beaten Path, Mountain Excursions.
2: Okay, so, so it a, totally changes your sort of view on what it is, isn't it? Yeah, well, well, that's that's not a bad thing. Knowing what you're looking at is not a bad thing for us. <laughs> I, I hope after like for this the, game, it's a terrible thing. On this game, it's a terrible thing. Um, mostly for you. Yeah. Uh, less so on this side of the table, I will say. <laughs> so this sounds to me, I'm hoping, uh, off the mountain, off the beaten path, mountain excursions. It will be a Sort of a source book all about exploration and coming up with lots of ways to create encounters for traveling in the mountains.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
2: That's what I'd be hoping for. What do I get?
1: Uh, five out of ten.
2: Okay, so I'm about half right. What What is it? The bit you got right was the
1: mountains. Yay. A <laughs> bit loose in the title. Uh, so it's a collection of uh, mini sort of side quests, strokes, mm-hmm. standalone mini adventures. Set within cold mountain passes and snowy locales.
2: So, So that would be the encounters and the exploration. So, it's
1: like single or double page mountain excursions. It's just a book for those.
2: Okay, and when's that Kickstarter?
1: That ends on Friday, January the 18th, so last Friday.
2: Timely, timely. Love it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah,
1: okay.
2: Uh, (laughs) Never mind then. And it's for swords and wizardry. Oh, uh, okay, which is a sort of OSR-style yeah. thing? Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay.
1: And so, after disabling the deadly trap and picking the lock, you enter the inner sanctum of Malak the Maleficent. Ah! It's a large room decorated with ominous arcane markings. On the wall is a diagram of a giant rat colossus, illuminated by flickering candles. There's a wool rug on the floor, and on the large obsidian altar is a giant book covered in glowing sigils and glyphs.
2: Wow. Um, okay, okay, okay. Um, what color is the rug? What? The rug. What colour is it?
1: It's it's a uh, it's red. Uh, the runes on the giant oh, book
2: oh. on the altar start pulsating, it's, it's, it's,
1: and it seems it's, like it's, the light dims in this eerie chamber.
2: Th- does it have any kind of pattern on it?
1: What the book? Yes,
2: it has sigils no, and glyphs. No, 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 no. The rug. Does the rug have any patterns on it?
1: Well, no. It's it's, it's just a plain red rug. Anyway. Yeah. You catch a glimpse of the cover of the book. It reads, Malak's Magnificent Plans.
2: Okay, I'm going to uh, approach it cautiously. Uh, the book? No, the, the, the rug. I stand about ten feet away. I get my ten-foot uh, wooden pole and both hands uh, reach up very carefully and poke it. What does it do? Well,
1: nothing. It's, it's a rug. Oh. There's something ominous about the way the candlelight doesn't quite seem to reach the book as though some Maleficent Presence were pushing back against the glow.
2: Okay, um, I'm going to step forward cautiously and put one foot on the rug. Anything?
1: No, it's a friggin' rug. It feels soft.
2: Uh, would you say this is a new rug, or is it threadbare and a it's,
1: it's just average age. Look, you notice on the altar by the book there's several large gemstones they must be worth what? thousands. They glitter invitingly
2: in the candlelight. What, 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 what did, what did you mean by that? What does, what? By what? Average age. What, what's average age for a rug?
1: I don't know. Um, it's just a rug. Um, it's twenty-five years old.
2: Anyway, can we get back to the book now? Twenty-five years old, eh? But still soft. Something is awry. I'm going to cast detect magic on the rug. Oh, for goodness sake. Okay.
1: The rug jumps up and attacks you. It was a cleverly disguised Umberhulk. Happy now? Ha! Do it. I just got an email from the yes. printers. Yeah, With photographs of my brand new Just Dredge M screen. Oh, wow.
2: They look amazing. Oh, I'm pleased that the uh, printing is coming along nicely.
1: Yes. All that is uh, now in hand.
2: Thank goodness. Oh. so no, uh, very exciting news about the Judge Dredd screens. Um, they look really amazing. Oh, no, you seen I'm them? Still...
1: they look good, don't they?
2: Oh yeah, they look amazing. Um, what I've done is I have copied and I've shared that over to Morris's podcast, cool. so our listeners will be able to see the full glory of Judge Dredd on his uh, Master, whilst at the same time being able to see the amazingness that is the cunning player sentencing the uh, player judge sentencing sent <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kitty anyway, um, they do look so good uh, though don't they they do look good they, w- they will be able to see the full glory that is the player judge sentencing guidelines which are on the player facing side of this gm screen mm. which is actually an amazing way to segue into our topic of the week this week
1: fantastic yes uh, so what peter is
2: our topic of the week our topic is the much underloved but so important design of character sheets.
1: Character sheets. I do love a character sheet. In fact, i got to say that a character sheet is one of the things I look at first. Yeah. Basically, a new game, I look at the cover of the book first, yep. probably the character yep. sheet second.
2: Yeah, absolutely. They are vital to a game. They're vital to running the game because as a GM, you've got like your books, you've got your player's handbooks, your like DM's guide you've got your monster manuals you've got like a whole paraphernalia many different things you've got the back of the gm screen mm. to look at if you are to roll with having a gm screen which i know you're not going to do but for players this is 95 99 of what they'll be looking at for their entire career it's Your
1: user interface into the game basically isn't it
2: it is your user interface. I know. I keep on banging on about this and keep on talking about it, but it's just like I see a lot of role playing game systems. I see a lot of terribly designed character sheets. I see a lot that are very pretty. Mm. I do. I um, am a sucker for a
1: pretty character sheet, though. <laughs> mm. If a character is very pretty, I will forgive it a number of sins because I really do oh. like a pretty character sheet. Have you seen like the yeah. the Numenera ones, for example, with that circular design? Absolutely gorgeous.
2: Oh, stunning. you know what? I think I have. Yes, and stunning. Quite tricky to read. I expect it's something that you would grow accustomed to. It's quite busy, but, but yeah, it's but yeah. I mean, it's gorgeous. Utterly gorgeous. Absolutely, and this is this is an important part of the aesthetics. It's like the you know, the components of a game, not just role playing games, but any game should be a pleasure to interact with. Absolutely. Well, well but it's like more of a general principle, which is the thing that has a game creator you need to think about is this is what five six of your player base counting the dm are going to be interacting with this bit of paper like they, they they may well start picking up the rule books the more they get into it but their first introduction is going to be with this bit of paper and if they don't understand how to run your game or like they don't know what the most common things that are going to come up in the game are from your character sheet then you have an issue my friend you have an issue so like uh, and there are very few places that do it. Like the Savage Worlds character sheet, I basically have never found one that I really liked mm. because all the information is, like, scrawled away or it's, like, or, or information that you just don't use. I mean, the classic example, I suppose we could say, is Dungeons and Dragons because the ability scores and the actual number you need to add to the dice are not the same thing. They are related. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And after you spent some time doing well,
1: it, what's interesting is you're supposed. To, I I do this wrong apparently. So you know you've got yeah. like the main bit, and then the bit sort of like hanging off it. And one of them you put the ability score in, and one of them you put the modifier in.
2: Yeah, big number goes in the little box. Uh, modifier goes in the big box. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I always did it the other way around. That's fair. I mean, it makes I, it makes I, more I sense did. to put the modifier in the bigger box, but I just wasn't doing it. Yeah,
2: because it's the number you use. Yeah, the the number you should be big and eye catching. And yeah, I mean, after the first, I mean, it only took me 30 or 40 character sheets, like in a short space of time to say, hey, wait a minute, maybe I should make this easier for the new players and they shouldn't be trying to add 15 to the role. Mm. Because uh, I noticed it, it's like, because I teach a lot of new people how to role play. Mm. So 13th Age to move away from Dungeons and Dragons and 13th Age, uh, similar. It's like an offshoot of d d but it's got the same thing where you've got the stats across the top underneath that you have the uh, ability modifiers works in exactly the same way they have a third thing for level and then they have a line underneath and you are supposed to know that you add the level and the ability modifier and put it underneath but it looks i i realized this after the fourth consecutive person had done it it looks like you're supposed to sum up all of those three numbers mm. so 18 plus four plus one is obviously 23, as opposed to plus 5. Right. And when people say to me, oh, I've got 23, I'm like, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. That's impressive for a level 1 character. Just browsing through some uh-huh.
1: character sheets here, because I've got like this, i yeah. got uh, on Ian World, in the download section, there's this character sheets mm. area. There's 672 yeah. different character sheets there, having been downloaded 3.5 million times.
2: That's yeah, a there's, a, there's a lot of different ways to address problems. So mm. the fact that, you know, there's quite so many character sheets it implies that people are having different problems or attempting yeah. to resolve them in different According ways Pulling
1: up some of the really early AD&D first edition character sheets by TSR mm-hmm. mm. character sheets back then were less i don't know less ornate than some some are these days
2: they look they look <laughs> a bit more i don't know
1: spreadsheet like that's
2: maybe not quite the right right term but what you're looking for is to have it be as intuitive as possible mm. surely i mean and there are common I would say mistakes in presentation. If it's hard to read and unintuitive, then people will discard it, and that's something that many people are aware of and invest in.
1: What would you say is your favourite character sheet? Then, an example of a really good one.
2: Yeah, uh, White Wolf, like the World of Darkness character sheets. Mm-hmm. I found those, like the older versions. They had how you put the numbers in. They had oh, the ones on the, the pips that, that you filled in. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like, it's I very I much
1: like that idea.
2: I find that very intuitive. Yes, it's like um, it avoids issues with like trying to work out numbers. If you have a lot of numbers to put on your character sheet, and then you have to derive things from them, it's not very clear how you do that. Mm. That that's, in my opinion, like a, a barrier to accessibility. Yeah. It's a barrier to learning.
1: I'm looking at a character sheet right now, which is done mm-hmm. in a map style. So D and D fifth edition.
2: Oh, okay. So it looks like a little map. I'm seeing there. Yeah. Oh. I'm not 100
1: percent sure it's the best character sheet in the world, but I, I, what I was trying to bring it up was as as, a, as an example of an artistic one, and how I, yeah, yeah. how I appreciate artistic character sheets, now willing to forgive a number of other sins if the character sheet looks pretty cool and artistic, like this one does. So this one looks like an old school D and D map.
2: Yeah, that is, that is pretty uh, sweet. Various
1: boxes look like dungeon rooms, and they're linked by little, you know, tunnels and. And stuff like that, and I love I love the sort of whimsy and the sort of uh, the effort people put into making these sorts of things. Uh,
2: absolutely, I I think it is um really really quite beautiful. The problem is, it's like um, where do you look on this sheet to find stuff out? I mean, because there are some things that you will ask for again and again and again and again.
1: You shouldn't have to learn how to use the character sheet. It should be easy and obvious.
2: Like if I said role initiative then you know you're going to have a fairly good idea that it's going to be something dex based but for people who've never played role-playing games before which is more and more of the role-playing population then that's not an obvious thing to do and the reason board games in my opinion are doing really really well is because they're easy to get into you can understand stuff they make themselves as easy to understand as possible because they're in bitter tooth and nail competition with every other board game out there so if you don't understand what they're trying to tell you, you will give up and you'll go and play a different game instead. Like, in my games, I use a lot of theater of mind. Movement very rarely comes up, but it's right on the top of a sheet. If they want to roll to hit, how do you derive these numbers? It doesn't say there. Like, the guidelines that they give you on the World of Darkness surf, like with your little dots, because people can count dots, look friendly, and each dot corresponds to a dice. You know where you are. You're like, okay, but well, I've got three dots there, five dots there, eight dice. Yeah, bam and what you need almost is like one of those little how do you play the game cards do you know what i mean like when you're learning a new system you want like a little credit card size thing that says if they're asking for this sort of role this is the sort of role you need to make
1: Hello, your editor, Daryl here. I just wanted to tie in what Peter's saying to an earlier story because in fact, the rules cards mentioned in the Star Trek board cube are exactly what Peter's talking about. They're cards for players with important rules so it's easier for players to reference during the game. So there are some game companies who are looking into this. There's one thing I think is quite important about a character sheet is that it needs to convey the right mood for the game that you're playing. Mm. Absolutely. So like, That's really yeah, important. Yeah. So, like a, for a sci fi game, you want a sci fi looking character sheet. For a superhero game, you mm-hmm. want a sort of comic book looking character sheet. For a fantasy game, you yes. want a kind of fantasy looking character sheet. For a horror game, no. you put a you know, one that at attempts to evoke some kind of, you know,
2: macabre sense in oh. you. Oh, absolutely. I've actually played the game wrong because the character sheet did not. Gave you the wrong vibe. Well, yeah, basically. It's like there was a whole bunch of us. We were all doing it wrong. It, it was at a convention and we dropped up, and there was like a game of Best Friends on offer. Mm. And in Best Friends, it's supposed to be a really backstabby game. Mm. But we didn't know this. We were the Scooby Gang. Yeah. And the character sheet has presumably, ironically, got lots of like, you know, pictures of people giving each other hearts and being nice to each it's other. There's an element of the GM should have told you that? The GM might have assumed that people who had signed up to play a game of best friends knew what the hell they were doing. And that, my friend, is a cardinal mistake. A convention, right? without a yeah. doubt, yes.
1: So always make sure yeah. you, you provide
2: the basic information at at the top of the game. I, I I can tell you, right? It is it's a mistake that happens quite yeah, a now bit. know I can imagine it probably even, does, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Club setting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just from from the information we had, we were like, oh, well, we'll help you out. I'll do this, and they will help you out. It was a really positive experience. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but um, I'm looking at the GM, and confusion. See, <laughs> yeah. so there's other ways you can go as well. If you look at um, some of the
1: Fantasy Flight game stuff, and I'm thinking back to uh, Warhammer, oh. was it 3?
2: Second edition, was it third? Edition? I think it, theirs was third. Yeah. I'm not sure which one it was, but anyway. It's the one you love with all the great dice with all the... But well, it's not just the it.
1: dice. It's the ridiculous number mm. of cards. So you've got cards and tokens right. and all sorts of stuff all spread out in front of you. So much of it that you're taking up half the table each. Especially mm, when you've got yeah, a group yeah. of six players each taking up half the table. That get, that becomes problematic.
2: <laughs> that sounds like you need at least four tables because <laughs> the GM will presumably yeah. need their own. <laughs> well, you've
1: got all <laughs> sorts of cards and tokens and... Bits and pieces, like it's not just like a single character. Uh, uh, so that that's like the yeah. opposite problem that they've do yeah. they've gone so far into like crafting and engineering. Game. They get yeah, they made it into a um mm. yeah fantasy fight games. They're well known for their very highly <laughs> you know highly engineered, very well produced board games and
2: stuff. And they bring those. We're, we're not we're not saying that they own stock in a cardboard factory, but if I was to learn yeah. this. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Let's say that. But they bring
1: they bring those sensibilities to their role playing games as well. And while they look gorgeous, yes. I personally find yes. that they're far too far too cluttered with too much stuff. I definitely like a single sheet character sheet.
2: Yes, it's just you've always got this incredible tension between trying to get as much information that's relevant to the players over to them, whilst at the same time not filling it with you know spraff and general things that are no good. What what if what if you need to like make some notes on mm. it? like you got no place to do it and i like the box of current hp is teeny teeny mm. tiny well that's definitely a
1: thing that i've noticed in character sheets that you've got to get the right boxes the right sizes and the boxes are going to have a lot of things tracked like yes. hit points or health or whatever yeah. definitely needs to be a larger box
2: oh my god and yeah, so yeah, many absolutely. times
1: you I mean- see you see that mistake being made on character sheets I mean, there's other options. I mean, you can use... Uh, I've got a friend who doesn't use character sheets at all most of the time. Just, nice, just, nice. That's a, a
2: good just, way to just go. Just a sheet
1: of A4 paper, writes everything down. And, and it's, mm-hmm. he's perfectly fine with that because because he put it all there, he knows exactly where mm-hmm. anything is. So mm-hmm. he's about yes. as familiar with the character sheet as you can possibly be because it's one he just constructed out of his own head just now. <laughs> and that's not a bad yeah, idea because really you do get truthful. to know it very yeah. well by actually creating it. Doesn't doesn't yes, look as pretty,
2: yeah. but you know. You know what you're looking well, at. Uh, there are advantages to having standardised character sheets. It does mean uh, no one else can look 6%. at your character sheet and understand what the hell's going on. This is a problem, and if you don't understand what's going on, but you think you do, that could also be yeah, a problem.
1: Which are <laughs> but the other option, of course, is electronic character sheets, or apps, or yes. various programmes and stuff like that, and there's loads and loads and loads of them around.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, I guess it depends upon how comfortable you are with having tablets and phones and laptops at the yeah, table yeah that's a different
1: conversation but, uh, entirely but i do find some apps can be quite useful
2: well i mean we're talking about character sheets and electronic character sheets like it or not are definitely here to say electronic dice rollers mm. are these things that we should be okay with i mean some people have disparities
1: if you're, if you're playing shadow one, electronic dice rollers are a godsend 72d6 <laughs> all right i exaggerate but <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> the electronic <laughs> dice <laughs> folder really is uh, is a big help with that game. So did you say you'd made a few characters?
2: Yes, I have. Uh, you would hate them Why? because they're ugly. Hmm, okay. I'll put my hands up. They are ugly. But you know what? They're they're quite efficient.
1: Mm-hmm. Have you thought about paying a layout person just to quickly make fancy them up a little bit?
2: I'm actually talking to layout yeah. people more. But this was... I was basically making character sheets for people who had never played before who had done lots of board games and like that. So I had to, for the first four or five levels of their characters in like this long-running campaign, I was basically making sure that all their information was on their sheets, so at least they had some idea what the characters were mm-hmm. doing. And then after that, I was just, I, I just was like, look, we've been playing for a bunch of levels now. It's on you. You work it out. Here's fit. Transfer it across right on there, and off you go. But by that stage, they'd done 30, 40, more, way more than that hours of dnd so which was what I was thinking, they could work it out and um, for other things i've i've done like a savage worlds character sheets to try and get it to do what i want and just trying to get things so that they're in the right sort of place and yeah because i'm always trying to introduce new people to role playing games because yeah i just really love them and want everyone to play
1: So, um, I think that's probably it for the day, Peter. Yeah, sure yeah. is. Did you enjoy yourself today?
2: As always, I enjoyed myself This immensely. Is this the best podcast you've
1: recorded all day?
2: Oh, by far. It's like my number one, two, and three <laughs> for top podcasts that I've recorded. Is it also day. the Absolutely. worst
1: podcast you've recorded all day? No, I refuse to acknowledge <laughs> any such concept. <laughs> okay. Well, I think it's time to sign off. So, I'd like to thank everybody for listening, as always.
2: Yes, yes. If you've been affected by anything in this podcast... Please reach out to us at morrispodcast at gmail.com or join us on our Discord channel. Yeah, we'll whack a link in uh, the show notes. Yes. yes, that's it. Hopefully. Yes. The
1: Hopefully magic of the internet.
2: Awful. Ah, yay, go ahead and that.
1: Right. Well, anyway, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Um, this is goodbye for me, Russ.
2: That's it's goodbye
1: for me, Peter. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Listening to that drivel just made me feel nauseous. Maybe a spot of eyeball raking will make me feel a bit better. But which one shall I torture? I do enjoy Russ's screams, but Peter makes these wonderful gurgling noises when he's in pain. Decisions, decisions.